welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me today, he's back, Court Winston. I am back. <laughs> and Cameron Spann. I'm always here. Guys, do you know do you know what this week is? Um, uh, among other things, it is the first full week in June. I know that. Yeah. Think deeper. Okay. It's, it's almost summertime. Is it a celebration of sorts? Of course it's a celebration. <laughs> is it your birthday, <gasps> It's Bullcast's birthday! <laughs> yeah, we turned two on Saturday. Okay, so... We've been doing this now, come Saturday, for two years. Two years. Two years. Sometimes it feels longer. And we haven't killed each other. Our little toddler, a little yeah. two-year-old. We, you know, we took a risk when we decided to start doing a podcast. And, I mean, it's kind of risky because we put ourselves into these podcasts. Well, I mean, not only that, but think about physically. I mean, over the last two years, we've been dealing with a, a pandemic and, you know, illnesses and so on and so forth. And... <laughs> the three of us place ourselves in a room together in a very close proximity to each other at least once a week, every mm-hmm. week for the last two years. <laughs> we are we are our bubble. We we breathe the same air. <laughs> That's true. We gave birth to this bullcast baby in the middle of the pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah. Like right when it went crazy. Would that be yeah. a calf? Yeah, our little baby calf. <laughs> and, and things have gotten much busier. For all three of us since we started. Yeah. Certainly a lot busier than they were when we started. Yeah, for it sure. has evolved. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, it's it's our birthday. We're excited about that. But um, this, this is an episode that I've kind of been wanting to do for a while. And it is just about general risk. Risk. Because... The game. It's a good game. That's what I was thinking. Is this about the yeah. board game? No, no, no. We're not talking about the board game invented in 1957 by French filmmaker Albert Lamaurice. Sure. I'm just guessing i'm yeah, putting a little I mean, french twist to it i can't Maybe even make fun of right. you for the pronunciation of that name i have no idea how french dude pronounces his name but it's a french name yeah. it's la morris or la maurice or something yeah. like that i will be honest where i came up with the idea of doing this episode is i have been traveling a good bit lately and it seemed like more times than not especially when you fly you have that risk element of if you fly out of memphis you always have to fly into atlanta for everything and if you when, fly out of Memphis on Delta, you on, have to fly. Okay, Atlanta. okay. Whatever. I'm sorry, I just don't fly Delta. I'm, you know, I have, I have. Moving issues. on. Um, so that's very short windows of uh, your layover. And Atlanta Airport is not a good airport to have a short layover. You, in. I've had to sprint in it so many times, and so two times in the past month, I have been on planes and gotten the notification of you're potentially going to miss your window. Essentially, like here's some options to rebook. Mm. And so I'm sitting there going okay do i do i gamble do i try and think if i can make it or do i go ahead and rebook and rebooking was this you know obviously a safer option but it's going to get me there the next day or it's going to get me there much later or you know it's not going to cost me anything different but of course me i'm competitive like i can do it i can run i can do it thankfully both times it, it worked in my favor i didn't end up rebooking and i was able to make the flight there were some close calls but i kind of just thought about that that people think of People make risk decisions all day long. Every, but then yeah. when it comes to the financial world, 
and we talk about risk, they think this is a whole new foreign concept and they don't really understand it. And so risk, especially in financial world, is very complicated. There's a lot of different things that go into it, a lot of math, a lot of equations. And so I'm not going to bore you to tears with going through the standard deviation and trainer and like all the different formulas that you can come up with about portfolios. This is understanding the similarities of the risk that we do every day and how it relates to the risk that you're going to be faced with when you decide to invest. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we got to have some fun with it. We got to do some pop culture. I was trying to think of movies and TV shows and that really addressed risk. And the first one that really popped in my head was, do y'all remember the movie Along Came Polly? Yeah, absolutely. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, yeah. Yeah, so he was a risk manager. Are you for scuba? <laughs> he was a risk manager or an actuary, and um, he he really would put formulas in there. Because remember with his um, everything, he, everything. He, he gave a he gave a, a an explanation to Jennifer Aniston's character near the beginning of the movie, not at the very beginning, but basically describing like he knew the risk of basically everything. He was like, you know, don't eat the nuts in a bar because the chances are somebody didn't wash their hands. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think about that every time we we just did Italian Fest in Memphis and we had a big jar of bar nuts. Mm. And I mean, it had the lid and stuff, but I'm like, ooh, gross. Whose hands it, have been in there? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So let's let's finish this list. We'll we'll make a long camp poly number one. Court, go with number two. Okay, so just to be clear, the the list that we're doing is is movies or pop cultural references that have an actuary in them or a risk manager in them. Yeah, and I mean, it's been a minute. Jargon violation. I threw it out at you. <laughs> I didn't know what an actuary was. I know what it is. I couldn't. I couldn't really define it for the people. But okay, well, if you have like a yeah. definition, yes. go ahead and throw that out. They there. analyze the financial cost of risk and uncertainty. They use mathematics, statistics, and financial theory to assess the risk of potential events, and they help businesses and clients develop policies that minimize the cost of that risk. Actuaries' work is essential to insurance industries. Mm -hmm. So yes, I threw a jargon violation because I didn't really understand what that was. I didn't even know this was a career. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I knew I saw it in the movie with Along Came Polly, but mm -hmm. um, it, it's very important. And so, yes, I did did want to do a throwback and get a jargon violation in there. <laughs> okay. okay. So now you can continue, Cortland. Okay. So next on the list is uh, Fight Club. I did not remember this, but apparently Ed Norton's <laughs> character, he was briefly employed as, as a risk assessment person for, for a car insurance company. I guess he, he left that job to make soap. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I need to rewatch that movie. It's yeah, been it's a been while. <laughs> Number two, Zootopia, the wonderful animated film. Uh, there's a, a young tyke in there named Jaguar, who I believe is a... Jag Jaguar. Jaguar. Jaguar just sounds weird. Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> uh, he aspires to be an actuary. Yeah, I was reading about that. and I mean, Zootopia is a kid's movie, but apparently like this was bringing awareness to actuaries <laughs> in kids' movies. Um, okay, About Schmidt. I have not seen this, but um, it's Jack Nicholson. He's an actuary. He calculates um, how many years a man will live and gives himself a 73% chance of being dead in nine years. I actually have watched this movie, and it was forgettable. <laughs> well, This list is a, a fun list because it's like, oh, did, did you recall that Ed Norton's yeah. character was it was in the actuarial business? <laughs> you know, every, I think everybody remembers uh, Ben Stiller's character from Along Came Polly, but some of these are sort of... Crazy, but about about Schmidt, if you haven't seen it, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I mean, it's I think a theme you'll see is it's very much like in the background. Like it's yeah. not, you know, you'll see movies where, oh, he's a lawyer or a doctor yeah. or a, you know. Plays a key point in the plot. A, and it's yeah. like, 
an actuary. An actuary. <laughs> and I have a sweet friend that's an actuary. And but yeah, it's it's very much a behind the scenes role. Yeah, good on you, mate. <laughs> Um, okay, so next is Tron. Tron, there was actually a character named Ram, and that and Ram, oh, Ram, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, Ram was an actuarial program, so there you go. Random access memory. <laughs> Number five, or six, who knows? I don't know. Hellboy, Major Ben, um, who was played by Daniel Day Kim. Uh, Major Ben worked for the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense, and uh, it states that he was once an actuary and used to assess risk based on a series of complex math. Okay, this is another one I haven't seen. I feel like I should. Class Action, mm-hmm. Gene Hackman, and uh, it's a father-daughter, lawyers on opposite sides of each other, and then actuary analysis plays a huge role in this case. I swear to you, I saw this movie, but memory fails me on this. <laughs> I, I, I don't I mean, recall it so- this. It sounds like a good movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, the next one is from 1995 and that was after I had stopped reading comic books so I never read this one but 1995 there was an issue number 683 and 84 of Detective Comics which for those people that are not into comic books um, it's one of the titles that Batman uh, exists under it's one of Batman's main titles there was a villain whose name was the Actuary (laughs) (laughs) And he was a mathematical genius who applies formula to uh, aid the penguin in committing crimes. So I I can't imagine. It's phenomenal. It's interesting because up until recently, my vision of the penguin was Danny DeVito. And it was kind of very like a gross Mm. type person. And then the recent penguin, really, I can see an actuary working with the recent Batman penguin. Mm -hmm. I just see that as like he's got his people that are really helping him. He was much more of a darker, like different penguin than Danny DeVito. Yeah, and of course, for for those for those that are around my age, your your first memory of the penguin might actually be Burgess Meredith's character from the Batman yeah, TV series. True, wah, true, true, true. Wah, wah, wah. What's the next villain? Like a insurance agent, like <laughs> the actuary, the insurance. Agent. All right, the next one. I have not seen this TV show, but it was on ABC or is on ABC. A million little things. Yeah, uh-huh. a character Gary is an actuary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think I've mentioned that recently. Because um, it's, I stumbled upon it, but the whole uh, premise of the show is that a friend has passed away, a friend that had been in the group, and everyone thought he was, you know, had a perfect life, had a great job, all this stuff like that, and then he passes away. And so it's saying that a friendship is made up of a million little things, why someone does something in the middle of things. But yeah, Gary's one of the main characters. And it's funny because looking at Ben Stiller's character as an actuary, he was very straight laced. Gary's version of you know, him being an actuary, he's kind of a loose cannon. He can't keep a date. He's just a little wild. That last one is you. That's all you, Katie. Okay. Uh, Kim Possible. Um, <laughs> KP, Kim Possible. It's, this is a cute little uh, show. Disney, Disney. Definitely Disney. Disney, Disney, Disney. yeah. Call me, beep you if you need to reach me. Yeah. yeah. I, actually, I remember, I mean, I, I watched that show with my kids. Um, it was cute. But so yeah. apparently Ron's dad works as an actuary. So again, it's like a great, they keep peppering actuaries in all of our pop culture for our whole lives. Well, you know, it's <laughs> it's interesting. Anytime you're talking about a kid's cartoon, very, very frequently the parents are background characters at best. Yeah. If they're not the bad guy, then they're they're just background characters. You, you hardly ever even see them. And so it sort of makes sense that they would pick a, a career for Ron's dad that kept him very much sort of out of the spotlight. It's like we all ask, what was Kevin McAllister's parents' job? 
We have no idea. Seriously, massive house in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they they did they did some they did some shady stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Good list. Good list. Yeah. Okay, so I also like quotes, and so there's some that I wanted to throw in to kind of tease what we're talking about today. So if you don't risk anything, you risk even more. Uh, risk and opportunity are two sides of the same coin. Real risk is doing nothing, and when you try something, you risk failure. But when you don't, you ensure it. I like that last one. I mean, if you don't yeah. ever try, then you're not ever going to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's let's get into our uh, meat and potatoes. It's been a while since we said that. Oh, cue the meat and potatoes sound. <laughs> what is the what is the meat and potatoes sound? It's like a fork and a knife. <laughs> like your, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was oh, like yeah. yeah splat. I don't know what, <laughs> what, what is. <laughs> okay, so everyone is exposed to some type of risk every day. Driving, walking down the street, investing, capital planning, or something else. So an investor's personality, lifestyle, and age are some of the top factors to consider for individual investment management and risk purposes. But you think about it, risk is every day. Running late to work and you go a little bit over the speed limit. You're thinking about it. You're taking a risk there. Yeah, I'm taking a risk stepping into your car every day to get to work. I'm not sure that you really do think about it every second of every day, but every second of every day, you are doing things that you have at some point in your life, whether even consciously or or subconsciously, you have determined that the payoff for whatever action it is you're taking outweighs whatever risk you're taking Mm -hmm. on by taking that action. So, you know, driving in a car gets you to, to work hours faster than walking would. So you drive every day, but there's a risk that you could get plowed into by another car. A little fact here, it is estimated that every adult makes 35,000 decisions each day, and I guarantee you a majority of those have some sort of risk to them. Oh Yeah. yeah, of course they do. And especially right now, thinking about coming off of the pandemic, you're taking a risk every day if you're Going back to reality and going to concerts and getting on airplanes, going to a park, you're taking a risk that, yeah, it's, you know, COVID may get you still. You don't know, but it's, you're right. It's like the actuaries in these movies. It's very much in the back of your mind. But then when we're sitting in front of you talking about finances and say, okay, well, what's your risk level? What are you willing to risk? It is like, what is this foreign concept? I know nothing about risk. Because you don't think about it all day. I have a a program that I use with our clients that analyzes what a client... So it's not like we expect you to know what your risk tolerance score is. We have software that helps us determine what each client's risk tolerance score is. Are you the (laughs) riskinator? The riskinator. It is a useful thing to know what your risk tolerance level is because it can help you, but it can also help your advisors in determining what sort of investment they're going to put you in and so forth. It's something that's very much changing based off what's going on in your life. And I think it's something that what, and we're going to get into kind of the details of risk, but I think a lot of people have actually been very surprised when we put them through this risk analysis because it's, it's kind of like the head and the heart are all, mm. it's not always in line. And so it's the same with all things of finance. Somebody can tell us, oh, I'm doing great, doing great. And then they're not telling us about their credit card debt. Yeah. So they can tell us, like, oh, I'm risky, I'm risky, I'm risky. And then we dig a little deeper, peel that onion and find out, eh, they're not really that risky actually. Or yeah. vice versa. They think they're very conservative because they've heard buzzwords of oh I'm conservative I'm I'm not risky at all but their mind of what's risky is like crazy gambling type stuff and that's not 
everyone's level is different. One of my favorite examples to use when, whenever we're discussing risk tolerance with somebody is we not only can assign a risk score to our clients, but we can also assign a risk score to stocks and yeah. bonds yeah. and funds and, and anything else. And, and so you can kind of you can kind of get an idea of like, okay, well, this particular stock is very, very high risk and its risk score is higher than my risk score. So it's probably not compatible with me or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. One of the things that I use as an example with people is people very frequently say, why aren't my investments doing as well as the market? Mm-hmm. Now, when people refer to the market, they're they're not referring to the market overall. Generally speaking, when people refer to the market, they're talking about probably the Dow, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, or possibly uh, the S&P 500. But when people think of the market, that's what they think of. And It's fun to me to sort of point out to people that it's possible that the reason your investments aren't doing as well as the market is because we have you invested in something that has a lower risk profile Mm -hmm. than the market does. Mm -hmm. Because the market, otherwise known as the Dow, for instance, has a risk to it. And, you know, it's possible that the risk score that is assigned to the market is actually higher than what you would tolerate as an individual. And they're like, oh, okay, I didn't, you know, that didn't occur to me. But there are things that are safer, I guess, investments than what people think of as the market. Let's break it down a little bit. So a fundamental idea with risk is it's a relationship between risk and reward. Okay, reward. That sounds fun. I like rewards, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody wants that. Free rewards. There you go. But so the greater the amount of risk an investor is willing to take, the greater the potential return. Risk can come in various ways and investors need to be compensated for taking on additional risk. Mm -hmm. So you think about it, if you're not in the game, then how are you gonna get the reward? Mm -hmm. And so you've got to really compare that. So with your talking about that, if they're trying to get the reward of what the market was doing, but they're not willing to risk and be as participating in the market, they're not going to get the payout. Well, let's take everybody back to episode 007, bonds, yeah. Yeah. explain bonds. If you've heard that episode, you will recall that we described the bond rating system, the mm-hmm. fact that bonds are rated and they're rated everywhere from AAA down to all the way down to a D. Now, if you have a triple A rated bond, then you have a company that is has basically very good credit and you are very likely to get a full return on your investment. They'll pay all the coupons and you'll get the face value of your bond back at the end. Whereas a D rated bond, there's not a very good chance that you're gonna receive your payments. And because of that, the lower rated bond you have, the greater risk you're taking on, and therefore the higher interest rate you're probably going to get, the higher coupon rate you're going to get. You remember all those words that we that we used back in the bond episode? So th- there you go. There's a, there's a very quick and dirty example of risk versus reward. That was a very uh, jargony risk versus reward, because I'm thinking of like... Okay, well, I'm, you know, I, I took you a little. Buy, you can't win the lottery unless you buy a lottery ticket, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I just. I, <laughs> oh, I, I know. I, I'm just picking on you. Risk includes the possibility of losing some or all of your investment. That's true. When you're looking at financial, you're looking at okay, even leaving it sitting in your bank, you, there is an element of risk. It's not much because you're associated with hopefully a legit bank and it's not the bank of Cam. I don't know. Like it's not some bank he just created up overnight. But every time you do something with your money, there is a little bit of element of risk. And so when people talk about, 
I'm going to put it in the market or I'm going to do that. That's where you've got to have the conversation. How much are you willing to risk in order to gain? Do not put your money in the bank of CAM. You will severely (laughs) regret it. So you have to quantify the risk and really look at it. There's so much that goes into it. And it's not just a willy-nilly like, oh, yeah, I think this is a good company or I think that. We're looking at historical behavior and outcomes. We're doing those equations we talked about, like standard deviations, lots of different metrics to look at the volatility of these different stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever it may be. And it's trying to figure out the basics of learning different scenarios of, okay, what's going on in your life right now? If you have $10,000, how much of that are you willing to lose in order to potentially gain $5,000? How much are you willing to put on the line for the possibility of a benefit? But also knowing in the back of your mind, there is a possibility that It could go down because nothing in our business is guaranteed. Nothing in life is guaranteed. Honestly, you look at it that way. The joke that we've used a lot is we can 100% guarantee that the market will go up, will go down, or stay the same. (laughs) I mean, that sounds silly, but it's so true. We don't have a crystal ball. We do not know what's going to happen. And it's because as much as we want to do these um, analysis and we want to figure out what works best for you, there is all different elements of risk. And so that's something we're going to really kind of go into here in a few minutes on the different types of financial risk. But I want you to really think about it is, you know, it's the possibility of losing some or all your investments. It can be reduced by something called diversification. Mm -hmm. And I know you have heard us talk about that a lot. Not having all your eggs in one basket, Mm -hmm. spreading it out, making sure it's, you know, if you work for a company that pays you in stock. Don't be paid in stock. Don't invest in that same stock. Don't live by that same stock. I think of, um, oh, who sang that song? Eiffel 50. I live in a blue world with Eiffel a blue. Eiffel 65. Eiffel 65. I'm blue, But it's like, I live in a blue world with a blue house and blue wife and a blue dog. And it's like, diversify, man. Get some color in your life. Like, get some pink and some purple and yellow. Like, all your life is blue, then you're not, that's what you're going to get is blue. I was Now weird. I've got I'm blue stuck in my I'm head. Sorry. And I've got blue chip stocks in my head now. <laughs> Um, so a really key important thing when we're talking to a client about risk and while we said it's, it changes is because time horizon and liquidity is very, very key to this. And liquidity meaning how much money do you need to have at your fingertips, essentially, that you don't have, quote unquote, tied up or at risk, that it's sitting in your checking your savings account. And so part of when like somebody comes in, And I know we've said this before is if, you know, court came in and said, hey, I want to invest $10,000. Well, we got to get to know court. We need to figure out like, what what is the purpose of this money? What is his other financial situation? So that's where the time horizon comes in. If, If court's wanting this or needing this money in two weeks, no court, no, don't put it at risk. You need this money in two weeks. But if court needs it in 10 years, that's a horse of a different color. That's a totally different story. <laughs> Bringing out some greatest hits today, I am Katie. great. I mean, this is a greatest <laughs> hit reel. So the definition, time horizon, and, li- and liquidity of investments is often a key factor influencing risk assessment and risk management. If an investor needs funds to be immediately accessible, they're less likely to invest in high-risk investments. They're less likely. Well, they should, but... The thing is, is people make mistakes mm-hmm. and don't do that. And they think, oh, I want to get rich quick scheme, but they're putting those precious assets at 
risk and they don't need to be at that point. Time-wise, that's one of the key elements of me giving anybody their risk tolerance score is I hammer over and over again the fact that we're we're talking about basically a six-month horizon. Mm-hmm. When I ask you your comfort level with different scenarios, I'm asking you what that comfort level is just over the course of the next six months mm-hmm. because people change. Things change. Circumstances change frequently. Age is a part of it as well. Okay, so let's take your basic, the basic way that most people start out investing, and that's a 401k. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that we look at is, okay, how long until you're going to retire. Someone younger has a much longer time to really be in the market. So they can withstand a little bit more risk. They can be a little bit more aggressive because they've got time to recover. They've got time to really be a part of the game and benefit from the rewards of being in that. Now, someone who is much older, who is going to be retiring very soon, they need to start coming to the bench. They don't need to be being the shortstop. They don't need to be being on the pitcher's mound. They need to be in the, where's the box? What what dugout? What's that box thing? (laughs) They need to be in the dugout talking to the coach, giving coaching (laughs) advice because they do not need to be playing right now. (laughs) Oh man, that's... But then I got to throw a cord in there. It depends because I can hear David in my head going, well, Katie, that's not right because depending on their circumstances, if they're already got other assets, they maybe can be a little bit more aggressive with these. So um, everybody's circumstance is different. It's different. (laughs) But typically you think about it that way. Younger people have a little bit more time. If we're looking at the longer term retirement assets Mm -hmm. and older people need to, you know, they've got not as much time, but it's the diversification of it because Mm -hmm. you can have your money set aside for different things. I'll give you a real life example. Um, was talking to a client the other day. They are selling a rental property they have. They have this extra money that's going to be coming in, trying to figure out what to do with it. And so we're talking about splitting it into different time horizons. And so that'll be at different risk levels. Some of it's going to be available if they find land to start building their home. So then that's going to be money that they could need in three months, in two years. We don't know. But because we don't know, we want to make sure there's not a lot of risk with that because we need to preserve that money. Mm -hmm. But then we've got others that's going to be like, okay, you know, this is extra. Let's just put it aside. That's going to be for 10, 15 years down the road. Mm -hmm. We don't need that. All right, Court, you want to talk to us about types of financial risk? Now, see, I was looking at our outline, ladies and gentlemen, and I saw this types of financial risk. And I thought to myself, boy, Katie's really going to try and get into this because this is a pretty technical aspect of, of our topic today. You're in and, high level. And I was like, man, Katie's really going to go for it with this. Uh, she actually wants to, to cover this topic. And then, of course, you're going to dump it on me. So if I mangle it, it's going to be on me. But a very high level concept in our industry is that there are two types of risk, basically. There is systematic risk and unsystematic risk. Systematic risk is uh, market risks. So that that's risks that can affect the entire market overall. Market risk is, is the risk of losing on your investments due to factors such as politics, the, the performance of the overall market. So like, for instance, you know, right now the, there's been high volatility in the market lately and it cannot be easily mitigated through diversification. Yeah. So you can't, you can't diversify out of 
systematic risk. Okay. Yep. You, it's just inherent to, it's inherent in the system. Yeah. I like it as like, so systematic, like you can't really diversify from it. It's the system. It's, <laughs> it's the law. You mm-hmm. cannot change this. It is what it is. And there's nothing really you can, you personally can do to try and avoid it. So the opposite of that, there are the, the other kind of risk that there is, is fittingly unsystematic risk. And it's, it's the type of risk that only affects, like, for instance, a certain industry or a particular company specifically. Uh, and that is the type of risk that you can diversify yeah. out of. If one industry is prone to risk because of one thing, then you want to make sure that if you have that in your portfolio, then you've got something something else in your portfolio that is not at risk based on that same potential threat or whatever. And so that's unsystematic risk. So that's very high level. You know, that's the 30,000 foot view of what we talk about when we talk about types of risk. Unsystematic, systematic, (laughs) boom. You know, there's a lot of different things that go into the financial risk and the unsystematic. And I mean, I I have this listed here, but I don't want to bore everybody to tears. But it really is about if you decide to be in the game of the market, you decide to be a part of this, you're never going to be able to avoid political actions, market situations, wars that are happening that are really impacting things. But what you can help is you can choose what you invest in. You can do your research and figure out, are you going to invest in something like a cryptocurrency or are you going to invest in a solid company that has been around for 80 years? And so you look at that and think about things like credit and default risk. And that is a little bit about what Court was talking about before is, let me break this down. Go break back it down to, Go me. back to the episode of loaning money to family and friends. Mm-hmm. So I know Cam, I know Court. If Cam set, came to me and said, Katie, times are tough. Can I please borrow a thousand dollars? I know Cam. I know where he works. I know, like, I know a lot about him. I know that he is good for it. I know that if he really needs this, he can have it and I know he'll pay me back. Now, you know, a friend of mine that never picks up the bill when we go out to dinner and like is always has like drop a name, Katie. I want to hear a <laughs> no, name. No, 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 no. Has has what we like, like to call has like we, what we like to call T-Rex arms, like you can't, <laughs> you, you can't reach for you the card. You can't reach for the, for the bill. If she asks me for money, I'm gonna be like, mm. oh, so we know it's a she. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be like, uh, I would know in my mind that if I gave that money to her, I'm losing that money more than likely. I have to prepare that it's gonna be gone. And so, that's, so there is a great <clears throat> risk that she will be yes. unable to pay you back. She'll be unable to pay me back. So me putting myself in that investment of the T Rex friend is putting myself at, you know, risk for credit default that her company is going to shut down. Okay. And so these are all (laughs) subcategories of unsystematic risk. The next one would be country Country. risk, which is, I mean, if, if the name doesn't tell you, it's basically the risk that a country would not be able to honor its debts. So for instance, you know, uh, United States has usually had a very, very high credit rating. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's bonds have been highly rated that there is, generally considered to be very low risk in investing in U.S. federal savings bonds. Whereas, you know, some place like, I don't know, I don't want to name drop. A, a, no, it's a really, like some little small country yeah. that maybe isn't well established. Let's, let's, let's use a let's use a, a fictional example. Latveria is uh, is not a real country. It's, okay. the, it's the country that Dr. Doom 
is from and I think rules. So he's a he's an autocratic dictator kind of bad guy <laughs> ultimately, you know. He's a big villain. I'm I'm so, betting that they're So you've got risk if you're going to invest in that if, you know, if somebody was going to take over that country and knock he's, it out. He is all, Dr. Doom is always coming up with crazy plans to rule <laughs> the world. And so, you know, you, you don't want to invest in Latveria's bonds because he, he's going to use them for some crazy scheme that probably won't pay off and he'll end up broke and so will you. I mean, another thing and these are all again things that you can diversify from when you're looking at your investments is foreign exchange risk. I mean, Mm -hmm. you think about the foreign exchange when you go and travel, the dollar, and really thinking about that, the exchange rate. Mm -hmm. But so that comes into play with investments. Yeah, if you invest in a a company that's based in the UK, that you're going to be affected by the exchange rate. That that investment is going to be affected by the exchange rate. Chinese stock, like whatever it needs to be, like you've got to put that into play of, okay, I've got a foreign element to this. Okay, next is interest rate risk. Again, these titles are are very Mm self-explanatory. It's basically the idea that an investment's value can be affected by a change in the overall interest rate that is out there. And, um, you know, for instance, back to my earlier example, I'll make this very brief, but bonds are Mm -hmm. affected by interest rates. The value of a bond, if you're buying a bond on the market, is affected by the interest rate. That's interest rate risk. Political risk. While you can't do anything about overall political things, you can make sure that what you're invested in is in kind of the same. It's kind of redundant of the foreign and the country because it's political instability or changes in a country. And so obviously, you know, if you're investing in a reckoning Dr. Doom's, you know, country, then... There's definitely some political instability in Latveria. I'm just, I'm just telling <laughs> okay. you, okay? <laughs> It's a fictional country in Princess Diaries. I cannot think of it. Genovia. That's it. Genovia. Is that a risky country? Do we um, know? Gen- I feel like Genovia would very be very rich. good. Yeah, like a Monte Carlo or something. Yeah, yeah. It okay. reminds me a little bit of Monte Carlo. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Back to the show. Now I want to go to Monte Carlo. Great, guys. Thanks. Maybe at least you stop singing blue. Ah, blue. Da-da. <laughs> Okay, next type of unsystematic risk is liquidity risk. The risk associated with an investor's ability to actually change their investment from whatever it's invested in into cash. So it's a pretty simple concept, but obviously there are certain investments that are far more illiquid or far less liquid than other investments. And the harder it is to change it from investment back into cash the more liquidity risk there is. Yeah, and that turns into kind of one of those of, um, you know, if you own something and you've got to sell it in order to turn it into cash, does somebody want it? Mm-hmm. You've got to think about that. So that's kind of where the simplest of breaking down of that liquidity is. So my uh, T-Rex friend's stock, like I really want, I need this cash. I want to get out of this. So Cam, are you willing to buy my T-Rex friend's stock? She's real reliable. <laughs> no. Yep. But again, that's kind of the liquidity, the time horizons. You hear the term kind of like tied up. Part of also liquidity is it's thinking about is someone else going to want to buy this? Are you able to really turn it into cash quickly? But also, are you going to get hit with a penalty? Is there a certain time horizon that you have to leave an investment in, an investment invested, I guess, Mm. without getting hit by a penalty or getting hit by a fee or something like that for getting out early? If we go back to sort of that 30,000 foot view, okay, risk is what? It's the chance that it, when we're talking about finances, anyway, mm-hmm. it is the chance that you're going to lose 
your money. The risk that we're dealing with is what are the chances that you are going to lose your money if you put it into a particular type of investment? And I think your software even kind of shows if you give us $10,000, would you be willing to lose yeah. 2000 in order to gain potentially 4000 Yeah. The premise of the software is very simple. How much are you willing to risk losing in exchange for the chance to gain mm -hmm. a certain amount? And, you know... The more you're willing to risk losing to have the ability to pot potentially gain additional funds, uh, the, the higher risk tolerance you have. And then there's also sort of a, a, an escape valve, if you will. Yeah. It's like, or would you rather risk losing 2000 for the possibility to gain 4000 Or would you like it if, uh, would you just take it and walk away? Would you take your cards and leave the table if I were to give you a guaranteed? And of course, in, the, in our business, you can never guarantee, but... The premise is if I could give you, if I could guarantee you a return of 1000 would you take the 1000 or would you rather risk losing 2000 for the potential to gain 4000 It's every game show. Yeah, it, it really you is. It's like a it. game show. It is, yeah. it is saying, okay, do you want to keep playing the game? Mm -hmm. Do you, Or do you want to leave right now with what you've got? Or you want to see what's in that box over there. Yeah. You want to see what's in that briefcase. Yeah. Because, you, I mean, it could be... Could be a million dollars. Dog crap. <laughs> or it could be a model holding a suitcase with a zero in it. Again, do you see? We've been around risk our entire lives. Mm -hmm. We have risk every day. We've been around the same thing, but it's just when it comes to finances, everyone freaks out about it. And I do have to throw, because this is a pet peeve of mine right now, is... Because the markets have been kind of crazy lately, I keep hearing everybody say, oh, I'm losing this. I'm losing that. You're not losing the money until you get out of the market, till you accept it. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, your account value may be down, but until you get out of the market, you have not lost any money. Say it again, everybody. Until you get out, you have not lost any money. And you have to look at perspective of how much had you previously gained? Mm -hmm. And what I have really broken down with a lot of my clients is you look at your original principal, the original money you put in there and compare it that way instead of comparing it to times where you were booming and made so much money and now you've quote unquote lost some money. Mm -hmm. Look at the original, put everything, take a step back and look at the whole picture. Well, also basically what you're talking about, we'll throw some jargon <laughs> Sorry. at them. No, we'll, we'll, we'll throw some jargon at them because we refer to that as unrealized. Yep gain or unrealized loss. If you if it's showing up that you that, that that your investments are down and you don't take your money out, then you have unrealized loss. And there's always the chance that that might go back up, but if you were to cash out and take your money and go home, now you, you have don't. realized yep. loss. Yep. Exactly. Um, You're going to realize it now. You're like, "Oh, okay. I re I realize it now." I realize. <laughs> this is this has been a beefy subject. There's there's a lot that goes into this and obviously it's nothing else take away that it's very personalized and diversification. There are things you can do to diversify your risk just as every day in your life, you don't drive a beat up car. Because if you do that, you're putting yourself at risk that you could get stranded. When you're riding a bike, you wear a helmet to protect from risk. So that's the same thing with finances. Is And I'm bullseyeing this already, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. I almost wish that you would just let me say, okay. hey, Katie, let's let's, let's bullseye. <laughs> and Cameron and I are playing footsie we under played the table. Like, Is that a small child under the table? No, those are, that's Katie's feet. No, it's just my feet. So, Katie, what's your bullseye? Okay, since I already started my bullseye, I guess I'll continue my bullseye. 
Obviously, you know, risk is, it's all around us. If you remember from Along Came Polly, then Ben Stiller kind of almost cripples himself of like that he can't be with Polly because he feels like she's so risky. And then at the end, you know, he realizes she's a good option. He eats nuts off the ground he in New York. He eats nuts. He does it. He does it's- Actually, I don't know. Is it New York? I think it's New York. I'm pretty sure it it is. Okay. You see how his perspective of risk changes throughout that movie. And I think that's something, you know, in a silly way, you compare it to what's going on here. You look at your situation. You diversify as best you need to. You figure out the time horizon. You figure out what you're willing to risk in order to gain reward. And knowing yourself, and that's like why we have these tools of the risk analysis and these crazy formulas and all different kinds of science and statistics and all of that behind it that helps us make these decisions, but knowing that it is not a one and done. It is constantly going forward and that the risks we take every day can then be very easily compared to what risks you're looking at for your hard-earned cash. Bullseye. Bullseye. Mine's simple. Risk is the chances of something bad happening as a result of an action you take. It's like we've been saying the entire episode. You are constantly weighing the risks of every action you take. You may not even be conscious of it, but it's it's happening on a regular basis. It's like Cameron said, what did you say, Cameron? It's like 30,000... 35,000 decisions a day. That's, That's crazy. Unbelievable. It, it applies to everything in your life, including what you do with your dollars. What you choose to do with your dollars and the chance that you might lose money, actually realized loss of money Mm -hmm. uh, as a result of what you did with that money. That's the risk. Then you're weighing that against what is the potential reward? What is the payoff if you take that risk? And the higher the risk, the higher your payoff better be. If you're taking really high risks for a really low payoff, you're not doing it right. Bullseye. I got one more. Oh, Katie's got another bullseye. Sorry. Ooh, I, just, just... I just keep thinking of baseball. And it's like the whole quotes of like the fear of striking out. But it's true. It's, it, you know, think back to my analogy about the dugout. It's you have to determine, do you want to be actively playing in the game or do you want to sit on the sidelines? Because you're not going to get that feeling of winning the championship if you're sitting on the sidelines. But, you know, if you play the game, you could win the championship or you could lose. Diversification doesn't guarantee that you're not going to lose anything. But if you sit on the sidelines, you're definitely not going to win. Okay, bullseye times two. (laughs) Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your favorite listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie, and Cameron, we've got bios up on our website. That website is bullcastpodcast.com. And you can also go to that website and drop a comment or suggest a topic if there's something you want to hear from us. We'd be happy to follow up on your suggestions. If you like pictures, we've got all the pictures on Instagram. Our handle is at Podcast, And every now and then we'll also tweet out the words on Twitter. That handle is also at Podcast. Finally, ladies and gentlemen... Cameron, Katie, and I, all three, work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you would like to find out more about what it is we do, our business, our amazing team, and our boss, David Pickler, then feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, you have your homework. Be good. Go home. Get your books out of your book bag. Do your homework. (laughs) 
and we'll see you back here next Thursday. But for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. Happy and birthday, y'all. 